Welcome to this episode of the Butts the Seats podcast. It's episode 73 and... Jesus. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> the episode was bad, but like, why are you, why are you like, Because I Because I can see the future, Emily, and it's not good. There's a lot of Jeff Jarrett in the future. Nick, why are we surprised? We're not. I, I knew this was coming, and even I am just like... Uh, <laughs> I like the time traveler who knows the future but is powerless to stop it. Introduce the show, you dramatic fucker. This is the Seeds Podcast, F at 73. I'm Nick alongside Emily. I am next to a ghost, apparently. We're talking about the December 20th, 1999, Monday Nitro. Coming to you live from Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore recording, Baltimore show. In the new, I literally said it to you 30 seconds ago, it's the CFG Arena. CFG Bank. Which, what bank is that? I don't know. I've never heard of that Chesapeake. Financial Guild? (laughs) Brought to you by Global Force Gold. Because it's nothing but Jeff Jarrett. Oh, God. Yeah. But Emily had the idea, and I didn't really prompt Emily on this, so it's just me today. Emily had the idea of, like, do we even start doing shots before episodes and for every episode and knowing where this is headed uh bottoms up for him not me doing a nice chilled shot of jamo orange no captain orange oh captain orange my bad it really does taste like like a, a cream zoodle it's better than jameson orange oh god yes that was awful Really, all of I the Jameson you... like flavored spinoffs have been bad. The thing is, like, I think you liked it the first shot you took, didn't you? No, I thought you did because we took it at a bar. Yeah, I thought you liked it. No, both my of parents us were bought like, a bottle. Both of us were like, "Oh, I'm glad I didn't buy a bottle because it was that in the uh, Jameson cold brew that we were like, no, maybe it'll be good." Disgusting. Jameson, stick with what you know. Regular, stay regular. Mix it with some ginger ale. It's delicious. So, should we just say why I want to die now, or should we wait till the end? I mean, there's no build, so you might as well. Yeah, the NWO's back. That's the main event of this, or the the main reveal. Do you count Kevin Nash wearing outdated tank tops as build? He never stopped wearing that shirt. Exactly. So no. And they did say they were getting the band back together. But that could have also just been Kevin Nash being a Kevin Nash. What if we just say once an episode until we end that we're getting the band back together and it's going to be cryptic and no one's going to know, what, you know, what it actually means. And on our last episode, we'll say, we got the band back together. And, and admittedly, the way I presented to Emily has just been a countdown to that segment because after we recorded Starcade, I'm like, okay... I feel like we're so close to this, and you've almost spoiled it for yourself, and I've almost spoiled it having to explain why you can't watch the NWO <laughs> documentary. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I need to, like, rip this Band-Aid off now, and I went to record your reaction, and you had none. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, that might as well happen. <laughs> it was really reminiscent of years ago, my friends tried to record my reaction to the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones, and I had no reaction because I wasn't really paying attention to the show and I had no idea who the characters were so I didn't care (laughs) it was just kind of like that but this was different in the fact of like you knew all the characters I knew all the characters but I a fucking course this would happen at least the red wedding was a little bit more of a shock but a fucking course did NWO would come back well we'll chat about that at the end of the show if you're surprised if that was a surprise to you I'm sorry you're stupid well 
there's a difference between a surprise and not shocking. It's a surprise. It's not shocking that they would do that. But it's not a surprise, seeing as how long they fucking milked the B team of the NWO. They It never truly died. No, that is a good point. There is not a, like, this is the death of the mm-hmm. NWO. No. And by the way, I don't know that there ever really is. I don't think this one goes out in a, in a huge bang. The one, two, three kid's still out there repping the NWO black and white. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> He would. When they go to WWE, just Kevin Nash tears his quad. Scott Hall gets fired after the plane ride from hell. They bring Shawn Michaels to be part of the NWO, too. And, like, it was basically like, all right, cool. It's Shawn, Big Show, and X-Pac. Jesus. Vince Man just comes out and it's like, well, I'm disbanding the NWO. Cool. And then within, like, three weeks, they're like, what if we did DX again? And then, There are no original well, ideas. to be fair, that literally just leads to Shawn Michaels' return match because... They do the intro DX promo, and Mm -hmm. Triple H immediately turns on Shawn Michaels. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's literally the first, like, they literally do the, let's get ready to suck it, and they do it, and then Triple H immediately pedigrees Shawn Michaels, and that's it. That sounds right. Nothing in wrestling is shocking after you've watched enough wrestling. And then Shawn Michaels gets attacked, and it's like, Triple H is like... loses his smile? No, Triple H is like, who could have done this? It's like, it's you! (laughs) And they do this whole reveal, like, you're damn right it was me, Shawn. Yeah, no shit, dumbass. I don't know. There's nothing original. There's nothing shocking. It's it's the same shit every year. Same shit, different day. I wouldn't be shocked if there is a uh, Montreal screw job at the next WrestleMania next week. We're not here to talk about WrestleMania. We're not here to talk about the NWO and WWE. We're here to talk about Nitro. And um, of all the Nitros, this was certainly one of them. It sure was a Nitro. It did a 3.2 rating to Raw's 5.8. They're like, oh, this is the worst rating for a post-pay-per-view Nitro in the Russo era. And I'm like, there's only been three pay-per-views. The worst rating for the... the Yeah, it's such a niche stat. (laughs) Who cares? He's batting 350 against lefties after 2 o'clock but before 4 o'clock on Wednesdays. (laughs) That's so hard to follow. It's basically, there's the Nitro after Halloween Havoc, the Nitro after Mayhem, and then this one. So... You know, it's the worst rated one of those. Okay. But yeah, Rug did a 5.8. They are, um, around this time, they do the Mick Foley firing, and then he comes back and does the whole Cactus Jack thing. Yeah. As I said before, WWF is about to hit, like, a golden age. Yeah. 2000 and WWE is a good year. <laughs> you want to get into this actual show? No. Well, too bad. The answer will always be no from here on out. We start the show with with a Starcade main event recap, and I think I missed them just flat out saying it's like Montreal all over again. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah. They said that. They said that. We go from that, you know, like okay, there's a lot of intrigue tonight. How are we gonna open the show? Medusa. She'll get us the ratings we need. Medusa comes out with spice and boobs, and no title. Her whole thing is, I won this title. I'm so fucking proud. Women are great. I don't have it with me. <laughs> You're underestimating the misogynists backstage. She probably didn't actually win the title. She did. I don't know, man. She did. I feel like there are men backstage like, just let her pretend. Let her play. Evan Courageous doesn't come out with it later. <laughs> True. But no, this is basically, a, especially if you didn't buy the pay-per-view, this is I have a girlfriend, but she goes to a different school. <laughs> you don't know her. She lives in Canada. So she grabs the mic and she says that she proved that women are dominating WCW with a little bit of TNA. And backstage, Vince Russo is like, huh. Excellent TNA. Name. I like that. Let's remember that one. 
Jarrett, write it down. No, she then warned that the powers that be might become the powers that was. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, like, also make note that she calls it the powers that be because later on in the episode, the powers that be become the office. And then also Russo and <laughs> Emily. They call we, him Russo. We only they have call a few weeks left of this, okay? So she offers an open challenge and we see Buzzkill roaming around the crown and he has a, a sign that says equality now. Medusa notices him and uh, challenges him to a match. He gets in the ring and she hits him with a cardboard sign and... Y- Devastating. You know. And the bell rings. I guess he accepted the match. Which he didn't. He was forced into the ring and now all of a sudden it's a match. We get triple second rope drop kicks from Medusa and then Buzzkill starts finally fighting back. Classic. Spice gets on the apron and distracts the ref for about the length of an entire film. Oh, yeah, and she is, like, hardcore flirting with him, too. She's got, like, the sultry eyes. And did you notice that the ref is, like, literally waving Buzzkill away? Like, he takes his hand and pushes him away. You know, I give it... Well, I give it shit, but, you know, I'd be distracted, too. I don't think you'd be that distracted. Spice wants to talk to me. I'm gonna listen. (laughs) You'd be like, talk to me after the match. You have a little bit more respect for wrestling, especially if you're a referee. Eh. Referees don't get fired around here. See the shit Nick Patrick's done? But he's in goods with the office. So Buzzkill gets the visual pin while referee Mickey J is distracted. Spice tosses Medusa with some like brass knucks and Medusa uses them, hits a German suplex and gets the win. And then she puts the brass knucks or whatever you want to call them in her tights right on her butt cheek. I swear, she also like goes to motion to throw them away at one point. I don't point. even know what they are. It's perfectly round. So I'm pretty sure we missed the era of something. You've heard the phrase, like, oh, he's brought this, like, foreign object in the ring. Yeah. For a while in WCW, and I don't think it's upcoming. I think it's past. Turner Sanders' practice was like, we don't really like that. Can you call it an international object? What? (laughs) I swear to God. Thoughts on this match? It was fine. I have nothing good or bad. Buzzkill still seems stupid. This didn't feel like the dawn of a new era for it like, did not. you know, like, oh, she's Cruiserweight champion. It's like, oh, she's going to get roped into this random bullshit now. Yeah, no, she's not a champion. She's just another pawn to play off the stupid storylines that Vince Russo's coming up with. Much as everybody. Exactly. So the championship belts don't matter. What kind of WCW where everything's made up and the points don't matter? Commentary then formally checks in. We got a triple threat tonight. We got Tony, Bobby, and Mike today on commentary. <laughs> Bobby's pissy, at least in this first segment. Emily, we're running out of Bobby Heenan Nitros. I'm not surprised. He doesn't feel respected. He doesn't feel valuable. It's really clear, especially in this episode. Yeah. I'm not surprised. No, I, I did find the last Nitro he does. He, he then get put on Thunder for a while, and I don't know when his last Thunder is because we're not going to be reviewing all the Thunders. Right. I do know his his last appearance on WCW television, he steals Scott Hudson's wallet. Good for him. And that's just, and that's it. And that's the last time you see Bobby Eaton. But we'll uh, let's talk about what they talk about. Cause they talk about last night's main event. And they're like, oh, the, the line was crossed. No, the line was crossed two years ago. This is just a remake of a stupid remake. They also run through tonight's matches, which we're going to get Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit in a ladder match again. Why? Because fuck, you know, wrestler safety. We're going to get a Jersey Boys triple threat, which I'm also like, why? Because why not? Well, apparently Canyon fucked over DDP on Thunder. We missed that. Oh, okay. 
Relatedly to Thunder, it's about to move to Wednesdays. Literally oh. three months into the war for Thursdays, and they go, yeah, we yeah, lose. never mind. Oh, there were some technical difficulties on this show, because they're like, Jerry Flynn's going to be facing... No, oh, yeah, we had no idea who Jerry Flynn was facing. It, it's Didn't gonna, matter. It's Tank Abbott. Yeah. Didn't matter. Going to be a hardcore tag team match between Meng and Norman Smiley versus Finley and Brian Nobbs. I was going to get Sid versus The Wall. Why? And the Varsity Club is back. Why? Yeah, none of those, minus the um, Jersey Boys triple threat, made me feel good. No. Because I didn't like the ladder match already. I did, but I'm just like... I've already seen it. I saw it last night. Yeah. Sid versus the wall feels like they've lost an idea of what to do with Sid. Yeah, Sid lost the powerbomb match via bullshit and has nothing to say about it. Exactly. I didn't think about that until now. Yeah, they, they've given up on him. Well... We'll get to that later. Yeah. But the rest of them, it's like the tag team, like, okay, who cares? <laughs> We still don't have a name for this group, but in the room, so the gang just kind of have a chat. We do get LaParka in sunglasses standing on a chair. That man understands levels. You know, in theater where everyone has to be like at a different level, LaParka gets that. For some reason, they book Kurt Hennig versus Hugh Morris, and Russo tells Hennig to make sure it's his last match. Morris is not Hennig. Murder him. And they're like, oh, Roddy Piper's not here yet. And then the next thing we see is Roddy Piper arriving with his child. Yes. Then we come back from commercial and creative control find Roddy Piper and they're like, yeah, just leave the kid. And Roddy Piper makes some joke like, you guys are going to be great fathers. <laughs> Let's go to that Hugh Morris, Kurt Henning match. And I'm like, I, I turned to you when this started happening. I'm like, they're not going to build this all night? What? This isn't going to be a six week build to the next pay-per-view? I don't understand why not. Middle, I could have waited to see this match. Or is it better that we're getting it out of the way? <laughs> not quite. Oh, I just realized we never got closure on this. Um, backstage, as Kurt coming out, oh, yeah. some masked man attacks Shane. Who? So Emily has decided she's going to be one name behind on this. Because she goes, what happened to Curly Bill? And I turned <laughs> to her and I wanted to hit her. And I'm like, oh, now. Now you'll call him Curly Bill. Curly Bill, I, I don't say that with respect. I say that with disdain. It feels like the least respectful name I can call him. Vincent and Shane are real names. Curly Bill, you're a fucking cartoon cowboy. Yeehaw. Exactly. See, Curly Bill just reminds me of better times. No, it doesn't. Back when Kurt Hennig came out to Good Old Boys. But Curly Bill came at the very end of the Good Old Boys. True. So he was a sign of things to come. So Mora starts the match on offense, and then we see an old man wandering around, you know, ringside and, and the stage in a hospital gown. And... It, like, unlocked one of those things in my brain where, like, I would never remember this outside of seeing it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to do a whole dementia thing. Great. And they, they, played it, they played it for too long in this segment. Oh, they do it, like, six times in this match. Yeah, it was too much. Rule of threes, guys. Now, admittedly, it's a crazy-looking old man in a hospital gown. And Bobby Heaton got both of us because he just goes, look, it's Oakland. <laughs> Which is just such a cheap shot. Yes. It's not even that funny. Because no. it doesn't look like Mean Gene at all. No, it's just the fact that you know they're friends. It's just like, ah, crazy old man. It's Oakland. <laughs> it's just stupid. So Morris leaves the ring. And he actually says, like, you know, go backstage, pop. And commentary just ignores this. Like, we don't know who this old man is. Like, it's his dad. It's he his calls dad. Him pops. Yeah. But commentary refuses to acknowledge that. They or, like, call EBA him pops. Get clued in. 
Do they? Commentary calls him Pops. I think they just drop back and forth then because they pretend at certain points. Oh, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, he tells them to go to the back. Like, I'll be two minutes. Henning gains the advantage as Morris's dad just comes back to ringside. Morris starts to come back but gets distracted by his dad. High knee from Henning and a camel clutch and Morris's dad comes back again. Jesus. Power set from Morris goes to his dad again. Back in the ring, Henning plex, pin. Morris' dad then gets in the ring and kind of mirrors his son being outraged, and that's the segment. The problem is, like, this could have been a good match. I saw the potential of a good match between them. Yeah. They milked the pop stuff too much. It's one of those where Kurt Henning's a good wrestler, and Hugh Morris is a capable wrestler, but isn't terribly interesting. Yeah, but it could have been a good match. Yeah, I this was not a good match, and it's not a good sign of what's to come. No. I don't... <laughs> I know how close we are to Vince Russo being gone the first time, and I'm just like, can we get there? <laughs> Does I'm, it get better again? I don't, I literally don't know. I, oh, God. There's four months I know very little about. Oh, God. It's the dark times. Well, admittedly, I think in those four months is when David Arquette wins the world title. Awesome. <laughs> so, there's that. So, yeah, that's going to be a Hugh Moore story going forward, I guess. I'm hoping I that's guess. mostly on Thunder. Oh, God. We go to the room, so Piper and his kid are here, and... uh Russo has no simpy. No simpy. We're just going to slide her bed. I ask you this question like every week when we see Ray. I know. But yeah, I don't know where he is. I kind of miss him. No, I don't. Russo tells Piper that he has to tell the people that Piper sold out and Russo had nothing to do with it or the deal is off. We never find out what the deal was. But he sold out. He sold his soul to the devil. Yep. And we never found out what it was for. Nope. Piper just kind of mumbles and then yells and... Both of us noted, this is probably a fairly impassioned promo, but the audio mixing in this is so bad that all we hear is the crowd noise. Oh, yeah. I know that Roddy Piper was saying something, and his face made it look like it was something that could have been a good promo. I'll never know what it was. I don't know how good a promo it actually would have been, because we kind of get a semblance of this later, and it just kind of seems like he's rambling without a lot of talking points. Could have been good. We don't know. We'll never know. He does say that he and Hogan started this industry. Which is an interesting take. Depends on how you want to define this industry. That's the thing. There's an argument to be made that Hulk Hogan created professional wrestling the way that we know it. Created sports entertainment. There. Okay, yeah. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper were the pioneers of sports entertainment. Emily, I don't know how to tell you this, but you basically just wrote the storyline for the Hogan and McMahon match at WrestleMania 19. That sounds right. It's like, who actually created sports entertainment at Hulkamania? Was it Vince McMahon or Hulk Hogan? But back to Piper's promo, I did laugh at this. And like, me and Hogan started this industry, and I'm like, says the man who refused to do the job to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Well, it is interesting that he's, like, putting himself as an equal, because that makes it seem like they're trying to fight for, like, no, I created this industry. I mean, they've done enough matches in WWE, but WWF, it was like, nope, I do not want to lose one-on-one Hulk Hogan, because where do I go from there? Yeah. So Piper says then that he never sold out, but will go out there and show Russo how to be a man. And then he threatens Russo and coins a phrase that is now going to become part of your regular vernacular. He calls the Harris twins condom heads. And that is how they are referred to in the rest of my notes. So, yeah, this wasn't a big follow-up to last I'm night. still confused. It doesn't clarify anything. This whole night kind of doesn't. Like, they give no. a half reason, but... Not really. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that later, because... 
they don't they never say what the deal was, so I don't get why Piper got involved here, but Exactly. I think it was just a general oh we sold out. But to, for what? I don't know, financial stability. But we don't get that for sure. Yeah, I think the subtext here cuz he's saying goodbye later is like was it like okay, do this for me and you like your family will be taken care of, but you're gone. That I I'm, I'm filling in some blanks. You're writing a story that does not exist. Yeah. But we'll get a little more on that later. I, wa- I want to keep noting these. I'm kind of curious when we're going to stop getting them. We get the first of like two or three Randy Savage Slim Jim ads. We got, yeah, we got a lot this episode. We then get Tony Schwein talking more about last night and the screw job. And he has a line. I'm going to paraphrase it where it's like, a lot of people have been saying that since Bret Hart has been screwed, he's not the same. Basically, since Bret Hart has been in WCW, he's kind of been a bit shit, folks, hasn't he? Yeah. It's like, yes, but don't say it out loud. Also, he's had a really bad year. Can you let him go? Tony then throws the nitro stills of just Piper calling for the bell. It's like, that, I feel like you could just show that, you know? Yeah. I know there's weird rules of what you can show on free television. You're not but not showing like, any of the match. Yeah. Commentary then questions Piper's motives. And apparently Kevin Nash has been supportive of Goldberg. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh. And here comes Kevin Nash. To quell those rumors. Yeah, gets in the gets in the ring in like street clothes, nothing special. He starts talking about the business, and I'm like, God, you really are buddies with Triple H. It's a business. <laughs> See, that was business. Screwing us is personal. Which isn't actually what he said, but it might as well have it been. It might as well have been. I have two jokes here for this uh, this next thing of according to Kevin Nash, the code says that boys never screw over one of the boys. Would you like joke A or joke B? <laughs> I feel like one of those is the same joke that I've made. Joke A, please. So the code says the boys never screw over one of the boys. Aren't you like best friends with Shawn Michaels? <laughs> it's not really a joke. It's just a note. Well, fine. I'll go with the other one. The code says the boys never screw over one of the boys. They're really more like guidelines. <laughs> That's a good one. Why, Emily, what was your joke? Mine was homophobic because I didn't hear the word over. I just heard him say, boys don't screw the boys. (laughs) Wow, okay. Homophobic Kevin Nash, Jesus. Then Nash continues his promo and pretty much kind of breaks kayfabe. He does. He's like, out here, you know, we fight each other backstage. What you don't see is that, like, we're all buds. I'm like, cool. Cool. (laughs) Got good workplace relationships. Happy to hear it. He then says the office doesn't give a shit about any of them. And then he goes over all of the issues of being an independent contractor about like not having insurance yeah. and disability. And he's not wrong. No, none of that is incorrect. But then he tries to like get bring KFA back into it. He's like, I don't really care about Goldberg, but last night was bullshit. <laughs> is he one of your boys or not, Kev Kev? I mean, it might just be he's one of the other wrestlers, but it's like, I fucking hate Bill. <laughs> Does anybody like Bill? I feel like Bill doesn't really get along with people backstage. Nash says that Brett broke the code last night and calls Brett a piece of shit. Damn. And that's pretty much it. This promo is full of bullshit. Yeah. Based on what we know this this episode ends with, this none of this is real. Nope. I mean, none of it was real to begin with, but like, even in kayfabe. Everything's this is, made up. Nothing matters. Yeah. This is a Drew Carey episode it of, is. of uh, WCW. It really is. So we'll see more of Nash later. So you actually see a good amount of Nash later. And he's also not the only one to come out and, like, break kayfabe with a in-ring promo. 
So then we go to commercial, and uh, during the break, Brett arrives, and he's pissed off. And I always kind of hate the wrestler arriving an hour into the show. Yeah, but that's even a thing to this day. Like, it's not going anywhere. Deal with it. Yeah. It makes him always seem unprofessional. Like, I don't know. If it's a heel, I, I think I'm more, like, receptive to do it. But, like... I don't know. But in the business, if you don't have to be someone... If your match and your first thing in the ring isn't until 8.30, are you, do you want to be at the ring at 4 p.m.? But I don't know if, I don't know that they would know. They know. Also, as of now, Brett doesn't have a match. Yeah, then why would he show up at all? So we get Mean Gene interviewing Creative Control. Creative Control says that Nash doesn't speak for everyone. And then they call Nash the biggest politician in the locker room. Okay. That's that. We then get our match of the night. It's Tank Abbott versus Jerry Flynn. Why are you calling it our match of the night? In a no-holds-barred match. Why are you calling it the match of the night? Are you telling me this was not? No. What? They trade strikes. It's messy. Tank knocks the ref down, and both men throw the ref down. Security tries to come in and eventually breaks it up. And they, they handcuff Flynn, and Tank Abbott knocks him out. And that's the fucking segment. Jesus Christ. And that's your match of the night. Are you no, proud of that? I'm, I'm 100% being sarcastic. This was fucking awful. It was a no-holds-barred match. But security was out in the first, like, 20 seconds. Listen, they didn't bar any holds. They just barred strikes. No. Vince Russo, don't say that shit. That was su- that's such a Vince I did write, in all caps, awful stop-breaking wrestling. This was... What the fuck was this? Within four bullet points of my note taking i went from well at least i got jerry flynn out of the block to they should have stayed in the block <laughs> commentary even says oh this should have been in the block yeah i agree <laughs> what's the point tank abbott i don't think he gets wrestling yet i don't think he knows what he's doing yeah like, in general i don't think he knows where he is i'm gonna keep leaving breadcrumbs for stuff but i mean tank abbott is part of the reason why vince Russo gets told to go home oh cool yeah we can only hate him so much. I can still hate him. I yeah. hate this stupid little chin thing. Yeah, I feel like he's going for a discount Jim Neidhart look. Yeah, but Jericho does that in the early 2000s too, and it's just a bad look. We then see backstage, Goldberg is now arriving and is a little more aggressively pissed. And I'm like, God, wow, he's so pissed off. He showed up late. You are so stuck no, on this. No, this... Goldberg seemed out for blood and I'm like why would you show up an hour I'd be the first person there if I wanted to murder everybody be like answer go ahead or is he trying to be like disrespectful I don't know he seems to want answers I mean maybe he knows that when the show's going Vince Russo's not doing so much I don't know the man appears on camera 20 times a night he does not ever appear on camera well sorry yeah his hand appears on camera you don't even know that that's his hand you got me there Mm mm-hmm we didn't get an ad for next week. I think both of us just, like, forgot about this. Next week is New Year's Evil. Yeah, I did forget about that. They announced it in, like, September. Yeah, where, like, they made it sound like it was it, gonna... it was originally a pay-per-view, and then it got downgraded. Yeah. Because no one gives a shit. We didn't get the revolution coming out and get some Nitro stills from last night of them beating Hacksaw Jim Duggan. They're here to make Duggan, you know, denounce the flag in the because country. Because that's what he said he would do. He said he would denounce that was the, the U.S. That was the stipulation of the match. Yeah. I want to note that more yeah. than that's what he said. He agreed to the terms of the match. Assumedly, there'd be a contract. He agreed to the terms of the match. Yeah. He said he would denounce the U.S. if he I'm lost. I'm saying I assume there's legally binding paperwork. No, there's not. Nick, when is there ever legally fucking binding paperwork? They do contract signings all the time. They don't do it in WCW. What have they ever done a contract signing in WCW? 
I don't know if they don't one. They have not. This is all word of mouth. So yeah, Revolutioner here. Before Shane Douglas can talk, Perry Saturn cuts him off and starts cutting a promo. He says that Jim Duggan found out how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. One, two, three. I don't know. I didn't think that was that bad. I can tell Everyone keeps thinking that Perry's the stupid one. He's just trying to be creative. I do find it interesting that there's a lot of talk about the whole Moppy gimmick. Yeah. Apparently, it was not meant to be punishment for him beating up a jobber. It was meant to be, hey, we make fun of Perry Saturn for being stupid. Let's just have him be stupid. Oh. And I'm like... He's being an idiot here. So, like, why is this a weird through line of Perry right. Saturn's like, career of being an idiot? <laughs> what do we not know about Perry Saturn? Yeah, I don't know. Who did he piss off? What did he say backstage that is now, like, stuck with him forever? I don't know, but the most recent news story I saw about him was, like, he saved a family from a fire. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Shane Douglas gets the mic back from him and calls out Jim Duggan. Duggan comes out looking very pouty. <laughs> Like, aggressively pouty. Oh, yeah. The lower lip is out. Crowd starts screaming USA. Douglas makes Duggan denounce the US and tear up the flag. Duggan says, I won't do it. I lied. I lied. It's not very American of you to lie. It's incredibly American. Real Americans would never lie. So the revolution then beat him down and then... Duggan threatens to set the flag on fire as they keep stomping Duggan. And then <laughs> we didn't hear it. Commentary says, I hear music. And We're Jane like, Douglas turns music? towards the ramp like, what? It's the filthy animals. And after we see them for about 10 seconds, then we hear the music. Yeah. And look, I know they're making a return. But the last time we saw them. It was week after week after week of, they are heels. Do not forget that they are heels. They murdered Ric Flair. Do you know, notice that Eddie was not with them? I know Tori either. No, it was just Conan, Billy Kidman, and Rey Mysterio. And Rey is still on crutches. Rey is still on crutches, yes. Because he did actually shoot Hall that. of Famer Rey Mysterio. Okay, well, Rey Mysterio actually had a knee injury, as opposed to somebody else on the show tonight. Yes. So... The Revolution bail. Lily ran from ran away from a man on crutches. There were four of them. There were four of the Revolution. Yeah, There's two they... filthy animals and and one other on crutches. What fucking what little bitches. Cowards. Also, I I know this is the thing in wrestling, but like you can still set it on fire and then run away. You don't like you know, it's like, you can still hit your finisher on this person. You don't have to, like, put them down. I think lighting something on fire and then running away is just called arson. So, yeah, I guess the filthy animals are back on good terms. Um, they weren't going to be heels forever. Yeah. They're too beloved. And a weird thing I remember, Kidman's going to get an interesting pay-per-view match upcoming. I don't know what Conan's going to do, no. but the Revolution are on borrowed time. Yeah. Because I don't know that you know this. When... Perry Saturn and and Dean Malenko and Benoit and Guerrero leave at the next pay-per-view. Shane Douglas was going to leave with them. <laughs> they just didn't sign him in WWE. You said this, yeah. Well, no. It was basically he realized before he left, like, oh, I'm not going to get signed anywhere else. Yeah. We have limited time left with the Revolution, which bummer. I'm not upset about. What a bummer. But let's move on. We get Piper and his child headed towards the ring, except the child will be left, will be left behind. It's before George Bush. You're right. So. This is before No Child Left Behind. Yeah. Sorry, kid. 
We then get the same Starcade main event recap we got at the beginning of the show. Then we get Roddy Piper coming out to the ring. And we see that Bret Hart and Goldberg are watching from backstage. On Teen Time Little TVs. Piper says that he's sold out and then runs through a lot of his career accomplishments and notes that he's not a phony. He also says that the crowd doesn't want a written show. Calls out Russo by name and position. Yeah. He apologizes to Goldberg and then says that he's a real fighter and then quits this dog and pony show. It's like, if you, if you want a fighter, I'll come back. But I think like, they called it the dog and pony baloney. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he then goes on a weird tangent, as Rod Haber sometimes tends to do. Yeah. Talking about Christmas, and he tells parents, don't beat your kids, hug them. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, you're was... not wrong, but it's not why I, I want you on my screen right now. I want to figure out why you screwed over Goldberg. Right. Christmas isn't a holiday, it's someone's birthday. Which is not true. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're, you're not wrong. It's closer to Easter than Christmas. Yeah. Piper goes to leave, but then Goldberg comes out very solemnly. He says he stayed up all night trying to make sense of everything. He looked up to Piper until last night. Dun, dun, dun. Piper made the wrong decision and sold out. But I'll never do that. Remember that. <laughs> Piper apologizes again to Goldberg. Then we get Bret Hart coming out to the stage. He blames the office. He doesn't want to be champion and vacates the title. To him, that belt is vacant. And so he's going to go shove the belt up the office's ass. And then he walks off with the intention of doing that. Yeah. Then, I don't know that it was meant to be, but we get Goldberg on the mic one more time saying to Piper, like, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, it was strange. Like, oh, we're cool now? We're chill? Because I mean, you said not to beat your children? I mean, Goldberg... <laughs> The whole thing here was basically, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, but he's like psychotic dad. Like, if you disappoint Roddy Piper, I would hide. You got kids, Maniac? No. Not anymore. So let me go to the room, so Brett yells at Russo, and Russo gives the most of an explanation we're going to get, where he says, I know you thought I had something to do with Montreal, and I didn't, so I wanted to make this up to you. Which, why would you make it up if you had, if you had nothing to do with it? Then why are you making it up to him? So did you have something to do with Montreal or not? In reality, mildly, like, I he wouldn't put... an innocent... I wouldn't put him in the, in the top five of people to blame. I don't know, but he wasn't innocent. He was there. Yeah. Well, they're like, oh, Russo never heard of a double cross. Like, I'm sorry. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's coming from Jim Cornette, who fucking hates it. <laughs> Russo. Bullshit. I really need to have you listen to uh, Jim Cornette talk about Vince Russo. Yeah. You need to learn more about this because it's morbidly hilarious. So Brett throws the title at Russo and then like fully leaves, but Russo has to pretend Brett's still in the room. Oh, yeah. He's fully talking to someone while they're like gone. Like there is no one in that room anymore. Yeah, because Brett tells him to shove it up his ass. Yeah. And Russo books Brett versus Goldberg tonight for the vacant belt. Woohoo. So we get two uh, pay-per-view rematches. And they keep touting that they're going to replay the pay-per-view tomorrow night. Like, yeah. Why would you watch that? I am really realizing how much they just gloss over the Powerbomb match. Oh, yeah. That was nothing. They don't mention it That once. was a nothing burger. We get Tony, Bobby, and Mike chatting about tonight's main event. They also say that tonight it's going to be Creative Control versus Kevin Nash in a handicap match. Woo. Bobby Heenan during this bit. Calls Brett an idiot for vacating the title. I can't decide if I'm on his side or not. I I know what you mean. I don't know, but it's just not a good look either way. No, 
And like I said, I can see why Bobby's leaving. I get it. It makes so much sense. Let's go to our... Jeez, I feel like we've had that many matches. We really haven't. It's our second match? Third match. Third match. It is Norman Smiley and Meng versus Finley and Brian Nobbs. Norman wants to fist bump Meng before the match, and Meng does it and then attacks Norman. Nobbs then runs out, hits Norman with a trash can, and I think this all kind of trade weapon shots. This was never a tag team match. No. Never, not once. This was a one-on-two-on-one. On one. Yes. This was Brian Nobbs and Finley versus Norman Smiley versus Mang. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. There's a lot, but there's also nothing going on. Yeah, it's messy and not in a good way. Quote, I don't really know what they're going for. <laughs> because I don't think they know what they're going for. The three men then take out Mang and then the soldiers focus on Norman. Norman leaves to the crowd, but the soldiers follow suit. They all go into the bathroom, oh which might have been a shoot bathroom. Oh, this is traumatizing. Nobbs gives Norman a swirly. In a public Baltimore arena bathroom. Yeah. Ew. We could probably go to that bathroom. We probably could. Or I could. Probably could. Nobbs pins Norman on the bathroom floor as they kind of just keep throwing the, like, the bathroom door on top of Norman. Yeah, they like destroy this bathroom. And Nobbs uses the urinal to stand up, which again, ew. They keep attacking Norman after the pin and then just cut to the next thing. Gross. <sighs> that was just a nothing burger. Again, it was just a lot of fighting, a lot of brawling. And then poor Norman got fucking swirlied. It makes me sad how much how excited we were about Norman and now. Well, I was excited for him when he was like getting creative with his padding and stuff. Now he just comes out in whatever team's football jersey he's in. Yeah. Or whatever hometown football team there is. Like he was in a Ravens jersey. With a Ravens player that neither of us recognized. Wide receiver Lewis. I, I probably should know him, but I don't. I don't know. Problem is, when you're talking about a Raven named Lewis, everyone uh, yeah. thinks Ray. Yeah. He did also have an older logo on his shoulder, too. Yeah, we were going to do Who's That Pokemon, but couldn't come up with anything really no. all that good. We tried. Like Skuntank, I think is what I mean. Skuntank, yeah. Or the um, evolution before Skuntank. Stunky. Stunky, yeah. But let's move on. We go backstage. Roddy Piper tells his son to stay back here and has some random guy. Who, like, yeah, Piper we never figure watching. out who that guy is. I think he's just a dude. Yeah. Piper has a baseball bat and is headed to Russo. And he comes across Bret Hart, who just kind of mumbles something to him. And, like, don't do this, man. It's not worth it. Also, imagine being Roddy Piper's son and your father leaves the room, grabs a baseball bat, tests the agility of said baseball bat on the doorframe before he leaves and closes you into a room. What do you think in your six-year-old mind? I don't know. My dad's going to go murder someone. <laughs> Terrifying. Let's go to our next match. God, these matches are uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, it's the Maestro really with Symphony versus Evan Courageous. Who would care? I do love them. I love Maestro, though. This man is so gay. <laughs> he has to be a. Like, Symphony's not charismatic. She's not good. But she's cute. And Maestro does not even want her to touch him. Shoot her kayfabe. I don't know. I think it's both. I, see, what I think it is, is the man who plays the maestro yeah. is very focused on getting his character over as a maestro. Yeah. So he's playing it and as have, like a snooty musician. And yeah. having this random woman just hold his arm while he's trying to do the conducting is not good for the gimmick. If he wants to conduct with that arm, put her on the other arm. He, he wants to do both is the, is the point. But like he has the baton in his left hand. And then Symphony is on his left side. Why wouldn't he just have Symphony get on his right side so he could still conduct because he wants to and have both. her on his he arm? He wants to animate. You don't have to, though. 
there's a way to do this there it doesn't seem like you are actively ignoring your female counterpart so the oscars were the other night and i'm realizing if we'd actually seen the movie we, we probably could have made a good tar oh, reference yeah here. we definitely could have made a good tar joke well bummer never saw the movie <laughs> watch the movie and then insert your own good tar joke <laughs> hopefully the maestro doesn't fall down the stairs of the dolby theater oh my god so the match starts. Of the dead, Nick. They do, they do moves. Evan Courageous hits a back springboard crossbody. Maestro works over Courageous, including a back suplex, jawbreaker, and then some very basic offense. Courageous hits a power slam for a two and then a flying forearm. He manages to catch the Maestro with a sit-out powerbomb and goes up top. But Symphony stops him and he kind of is like, no. Get away. That's why I'm saying. Stop. No, Evan Courageous is like this. Oh, Evan. Yeah. Yeah. And we know he's straight. Is Symphony just like that unlikable? Well, he sees you're trying to distract me from this match. So he's a fucking professional. So he pushes her over and then she's like, ow, my ankle. And he's like, well, okay, I, I didn't know you'd hurt your ankle. So then he hops down, goes to uh, goes to help her. And the maestro rolls him up and grabs the tights and pins him for the win. It was all fake. Yep. Symphony jumps into his arms and it's like, God, Evan Courageous cares about women's health and safety. What a fucking pussy. <laughs> what a loser. This guy loves and respects women. What a dick. What a, cu- what a soy boy beta cuck. <laughs> Poor Evan. I wonder what he's doing these days. I don't know. I literally have no idea. No, I haven't looked him up. The thing is, I didn't hate this. It was, like, very predictable, but, like, still fun. Yeah, this was a wrestling match. Yes. It actually went long enough to where, like, there was a story told and some yes. psychology. And, and some moves were hit. Yeah. There was, just, uh, there was like, a, like a pop-up sit-out powerbomb. Like, yeah. yeah, it was not a bad match by any any turn of the phrase. Let's go to our highlight of the night. Um, You say highlight. Is it not? We go to the room, so... And Is it the room stuff? <laughs> exactly. Because everything we've ever known has been a lie. Roddy Piper comes in with the baseball bat, hits the wall, and the wall just falls over. It's all been a set. It's just a set. It's two plywood walls painted to look like white brick. It is a, It is the L-so. <laughs> you can't call this a room. Take this L. So. Yeah, I... I I guess I never really thought about it where I'm like, I'm sure there's a blank room in every arena that you go to. Cause it's like a conference room. Yeah. It's a changing room. It could be anything. But no. No, it has. It, they, they made them set that up every week. They so, traveled with that. Yeah. That was in a truck for weeks. God. So Piper's destroying the set. It's fucking hilarious. He then goes it's with, hilarious how fragile it is. Yeah. It gets destroyed well, really easily. He also goes to break a TV screen, but can't. <laughs> like, it, like the screen, like, turns off. I almost swear it's, it's somebody, like, off-screen hitting off. Like, it, like <laughs> the glass doesn't break. No, it's one of those, like... CRT. CRT, like, deep, thick fuckers will not smash. How many how many C's of thick was this TV? It's T-H-I-C-C-C-C-R-T. <laughs> It's kind of broke the room so for us. Like, <laughs> this is kind of stacked on top of everything. I'm just like, it's been two walls this whole fucking this time. This whole time. It does kind of change the uh, Bret Hart conversation earlier, though. He, he, he didn't went, leave a room. He didn't close the door. No, he just went somewhere. He just walked He went off. anywhere that wasn't the L. <laughs> the L, so. Let's go to our Jersey Boys triple threat match. It is 
Chris Champagne Canyon versus Bam Bam Bigelow versus Diamond Dallas Page. Oh my god, hold on, pause. Evan Courageous is just like the most wholesome father that you can ever find. His whole Instagram is his kids. He's like his son's high school wrestling coach. His daughter just graduated college. It's all just photos of his family. This is so wholesome and lovely. I love him. He just looks like a normal ass guy. This is great content. I love him. Oh my God. Okay. Wholesome Evan. What a good guy. Anyway. Does he still have the uh, terrible haircut? No. He just looks like a normal guy. Good. Well, speaking of Evan Courageous, <laughs> Chavo checks on him, and he goes to sell Evan Courageous a book of, called How to Pick Up Chicks. Evan Courageous doesn't like this and just beats the shit out of Chavo. And Evan doesn't need that. He had Medusa. Well, there's a lot of commentary as Courageous is beating up Chavo. He's like, he's not courageous. He's outrageous right now. <laughs> I know Quality. writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. Oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah, the, the triple threat match. Um, Jersey Boys. CCK versus DDP versus BBB. It's the battle of the acronyms, folks. Canyon has Mr. Biggs and the hose with him. Okay, as I hate gonna... Mr. Biggs. Could, did you hear a word he said on commentary? No, and that's why I hate him. Yeah. By the way, we're just going to call them the hose. The hoe train. It's what they're going for. Yes. How does it feel that these women aspire to be hoes? Everyone has goals. I'm just glad that they're living out theirs. So Canyon says that he's Hollywood now and heals on the crowd. He also says that he destroyed the triad. And I feel like we were missing a segment of... And we mentioned earlier that like he apparently beat up GDP on Thunder. And yeah, so. okay. He also, in a heels-ish kind of way, is like, Baltimore ain't Hollywood. Like, buddy, no one who lives in Baltimore thinks that this is Hollywood. John Waters somewhere. What the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, no shit, man. We know. So Kenny wants to prove himself against the rest of the triad, and Canyon hides behind the women as Bam Bam Bigelow come out. Sorry, the hose. <laughs> and we, we have this moment every now and again where somebody comes out, and I'm like, Oh, they changed the ramp. And then we see later, like, oh, no, it's still the shitty, slippery ramp. They just have a cover for the ramp when women in heels are coming down it so that the women for, don't for get For when stuck. they remember that women in yeah, heels. Yeah, that's true. there's been plenty of times. Where they have forgotten and women have gotten stuck. Or very gingerly step around the logo. So Mr. Biggs is on commentary, but you wouldn't know it. No, it's horrible because you can hear him mumbling, so you know someone's there. But you can't hear a word he's saying. It's awful. We start with a weird, like, triple lockup. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, that was cool, though. And then Bam Bam Bigelow and DDP work over Canyon's arms. Like, this is basically a handicap match. There's a moment it where is, they go, yeah. like, is it not? No, it is. Okay. Spinning rock bottom from, from DDP. Bam Bam holds Canyon for a punch, but Canyon ducks. So DDP hits Bam Bam Bigelow in the one thing they didn't want to happen. Oh, no. So they start arguing, but then just, like, get over it. Like, oh. Okay. Oh, it was an accident? Okay, you were cool. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> Which I, I, I liked, but I hated. Yeah, right. It's like, why do this spot? But then it's like, oh, no. Okay, I, I understand what happened here. Yeah, like, like accidents happen. Bam Bam Bigelow, the most reasonable man in all of wrestling. <laughs> hey, everybody makes mistakes. Everyone has those days. We get two diving moves from the faces. I'm just counting DDP's a face here. Sure. We'll, we'll continue this later. Is, Who fucking right, cares? Is DDP a face? Couldn't tell you. You could ask me, is oh, blank it, a face? And I'd be like, sure. Is Canyon a face? I, no. 
Correct. Yeah, he's being a dickhead heel. Let's let's focus on what DDP has done recently. He wrestled a man who spanked his wife fourteen times. Okay. Heel. <laughs> he then attacked and had a match with the man who stalked his wife. Heel. Like with a crowbar. Heel. He then got blindsided at the pay per view. Heel. And didn't hit a woman. Heel. He's gonna weirdly diamond cutter a ref, which we'll get to again. Like, did he be for all intents and purposes is a face right now? No, he's an asshole. I don't know. The heel face dynamic is impossible. We know this. It's impossible under Vince Russo. DDP signals for the diamond cutter, but Bam Bam wants the greedies from Asbury Park instead. And so DDP is like, go ahead. And then Bam Bam hits it, gets all excited. DDP hits a diamond cutter on Bam Bam Bigelow. And then, like, gets the ref in a position to hit one and goes, no, I'm not gonna. And then he just leaves. Yeah, I didn't get that one. I didn't get why he just left. <laughs> I... Like, like, from last night, I'm like, why are you just grabbing referees and threatening? I could. I could. If, if I wanted to, I could. So then the ref is like, all right, double 10 count. Let's start it. Like, what? So they both manage to get up. Mr. Biggs distra- distracts the ref. So one of the hoes gives Canyon a champagne bottle. And he smashes Bam Bam Bigelow over the head. And something tells me this was not gimmick properly. Because Canyon holds his hand like it ripped open his palm. Yeah. And I think they say that Bam Bigelow is bleeding. Like something they, happened yeah, wrong. Yeah, they say, with this oh, bottle. he busted him open. And no. Yeah, I don't know what happened with this. But I mean, Canyon gets the pin here. This was a weird match. It wasn't it as good wasn't as I wanted it to be. bad. But like. It could have been better. It didn't know what it wanted to be. There needed to be sort of conflict between DDP and Bam Bigelow. Yeah, because it did just sort of feel like a handicap match. Yeah. Especially because. When David Flair was stalking Kimberly, like, Bam Bam helped out. So, like, it would have been different if Bam Bam, like, didn't help. Like, okay, well, then there's some conflict. Right. There was no story there. Like, it would be it would be different if it was, like, we used to be bros. What happened to us? But now we're not. Exactly. I wish, I wish you, you would tell, tell me why. Wow. That was a historic moment where you derailed the conversation with a song. I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where this is headed. Who knows? I don't have a lot of faith in... I think she's Champagne Chris Canyon, not Chris Champagne Canyon. They need to drop either Chris or Canyon. Champagne Canyon works. Chris Champagne works. Chris Champagne Canyon is too much. Yeah. I think Champagne Canyon they should they should do. Champagne Chris also works. Yeah. Not but it has well, to be but... two. It has to be two, not three. Let's move on. Backstage, Kevin Ash is headed towards the ring. We get some uh, Sting versus Luger Nitro stills and... Commentary still can't believe that Liz hit Sting with a baseball bat. Yeah, what a bitch. Almost like she's been turning on both of them ever since we met her. Well, it's like, oh, I knew she was capable of things, but not that. What is she capable of? I don't know. What? What? Let's dissect that. No, let's not. What is Miss Elizabeth Kevin Nash versus Creative Control in... What the fuck is this match? (laughs) It's not a match. Wait, who is it versus? Kevin Nash versus... Oh, sorry, the condiments. Thank you. (laughs) Nash comes out, points to the stage, and Scott Hall comes out on crutches. But yeah, why is And I'm like, this just reeks of a work. Yeah. Oh, but but Scott Hall comes down on crutches. He is like favoring both knees somehow. (laughs) But then when the camera kind of like crane shots away, you can see Scott Hall on the ramp do the suck it with the two crutches, proving that he does not need the crutches. So there's no referee for this, which is important to note. And they do say that on commentary. They do say there is no referee, so we can't even did call they, bullshit. Did they say that. it before the match started, or just that while I don't the match know. happened? That I don't know. 
Because there's no referee. And you know what the fucking creative control does? They <laughs> tag it out. They follow the rules. There's no referee. It's a fucking brawl. <laughs> what are you doing? Why? Stop breaking wrestling. <laughs> ah! So you're mad when they don't follow the rules when there are refs, but when oh, they follow oh, the rules. We'll get to this fucking tag rules later. Oh, God. I'm about oh to God. awaken the bullshit rules in me later. Oh I forgot about this oh till God. right oh now. God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. So creative control of tagging fucking in and oh out, gosh. following the fucking rules for referee who's not there. This is what spiking the like the crazy. Why do I have notes? It's a, uh, I, yeah, right to the, by the way, you go right to the fucking corner with Gerald. Oh, oh you know, Gerald. Condom one. one. Big Patrick comes in, big boot to Patrick. Oh my God. I'm scared. Nash hits rope attacks on both men, but creative control eventually. <laughs> just going to drink my drink. Eventually gain creative control. Hey. Good joke. Good joke. Patrick goes for a pin. Why? Why go for a pin? There's no referee. You upset the dog. Good. They beat. <laughs> Someone's calling me. My father's calling me. You can hear me from New Jersey. Creative control beat down Nash. Keep tagging in and out. They work over Nash. Hall comes in. Hits both men with a crutch. Oh, he's fine. It's, it's all fine. <laughs> They hit both men with crutches, and then they just, Craig Rowan just fucking leave, and that's it, I guess. That, they're like, oh, well, it wasn't a match to begin with. No fucking shit, it wasn't a match. What the fuck was the point of this? And to add okay, everything okay, to okay. this, Kevin Nash joins the NWO later. There's no point to any of this. What the fuck was the point? <laughs> We're going to get, like, the police called on us. You were... that, was any of that even usable? We're going to fucking find out. Yeah, he fought the Craig Control for no reason. Because Vince Russo is in on the NWO. So what the fuck was the point of all this? Oh, my God. I didn't know this was in me until now. I didn't know what? this was in you either. I knew you didn't like the match, but oh, my God. And then in the rafters, fucking Lex Luger's dressed as Sting, and why okay, not? Okay, folks, we're gonna take a quick break while no. Nick catches his breath. Are you good? I'm fine. I'm losing my mind. Emily, thoughts on this match? I thought it was great. <laughs> Everybody was like, let's do some yoga. DDP yoga. Let's, like, take a breath. I don't think my brain fully processed what that match was. I guess that. not, because that was rage that I was not aware was coming. Ugh. I don't need to change my worst bit. I had a different worst oh bit. Let's just yeah. like, take a drink. By the way, just, just, just hope we can actually say it. Yeah, so when they go to the rafters, Lex Luger's there is dressed as Sting, and him and Liz mock like a baseball bat thing and mock Sting in general. Sting was not on the show. Commentary says, like, oh, he has a hairline fracture of like the face or something. You cannot have a hairline fracture of the face, can you? Oh, 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 oh the skull or whatever. Okay. It was also a broken wrist. <laughs> he has two injuries, by the way, just so you know. So let's move on. Do you feel better? Do you feel better getting that off your chest? I feel like my, I feel like my forehead pulsating. I'm just like... Because I know where the night's headed to. Yeah. We're not even done. Yeah, let's, go to a, let's, go, done. let's go to an inferior version of something from last night. Although we may disagree on that. It is the U.S. title ladder match of Chris Benoit versus Double J, Jeff Jarrett. So the match starts, they they trade quick, hard strikes to start. This, like, isn't a ladder match. 
And I think that's why I liked it more. Yeah. I love a ladder match and I have vocalized my love you for love ladder matches. You love a multi-person ladder I match. I do. This is not a ladder match. It took them so fucking long to get the ladder into the ring. So the reason I didn't love the ladder match at Starcade is because they were doing all the standard wrestling ladder match spots. Oh, it bounced off the ropes. Oh, I knocked him down. Oh, it's it's a fucking ladder match. It's Did it, did it annoy you? That commentary was going on and on of like, this is probably the best ladder match of all time. A little bit, because have you ever seen a ladder match? Have you seen any other ladder match? To this point. Nick, I am sure that the Hardy Boys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian nope. have done a tables, ladders, chairs match. Nope. Come on, they were doing that all through the, like, the late 90s. No. Not, yes, they were. No, I, th- I thought 2000. 98, later. 99, they weren't no, doing table, Dudley, ladders, and chairs d- matches? Dudleys. So Dudley's don't join WWF until the late late ninety nine. Okay, August that's September. still this time. However, I don't know if you remember this because I think we saw it very very briefly on SmackDown. Do you know what their initial weapon is? Bubba Ray Stutter. <laughs> that's not a weapon. It's weaponized incompetence. They give them two by fours. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, it was it was like all right, make it work, fuckers. There's so there's only a handful of matches in WWE kayfabe that are like created by somebody. Okay. The ones I can think of are Eric Bischoff in kayfabe created the Elimination Chamber. Okay. In kayfabe, I think it's in kayfabe technically. Chris Jericho invented Money in the Bank. Okay. In kayfabe, the creator of the TLC match is Mick Foley. Oh my boy. Because it's tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. <laughs> God, I love him. But there's like a prelude to that. WrestleMania 2000, they do the, the triangle ladder match of, yeah. the, of the three teams. It's not TLC 1, but it might as well be. Yeah. So yeah, SummerSlam 2000 is when they do TLC 1. Damn. But there was never a ladder match between any of them in 99? There's a really good match between the Hardys and Edge Christian at No Mercy. I guess I'm romanticizing 2000 a lot more than I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 2000's, 2000's fucking amazing. I, you know what? Let's just... We're good to 2000. We're just going to review all the WWE pay-per-views. Yeah, fuck WCW. Let's watch some good fucking wrestling. Are you the Gordon Ramsay? Finally, Finally, some some good good fucking fucking wrestling. (laughs) Benoit gets Jarrett in a trio and then hits a running dropkick to the face of Jarrett, but misses a second, which it kind of seemed like he was supposed to crash into the turnbuckle, but Jarrett then just like leaves the ring and pulls him crotch first into the turnbuckle. Yeah. He kind of like stops short. Oh, well. Like it looked weird to start with. Like, okay, well, th- there's the spot. Jarrett goes for the ladder, but Benoit stops him. Benoit then grabs the ladder, but then gets stopped before getting the r- ladder in the ring. Benoit brings a chair in the ring and sets it up in the corner. And you were ready for he who sets it up must I go was. through. But, uh, it did not come to fruition tonight. Benoit chops Jarrett in the corner, then whips Jarrett into it. Then he grabs a chair from the corner and works over the back of Jarrett. Puts the chair back in the corner and goes to whip Jeff Jarrett through it, but Jarrett collapses and is like, oh, my knee, I can't, I can't wrestle. Which was like a good sell. Like, the way he fell, it was not bad. Yeah. The way he sold it, it almost seemed like 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 a selling the back, not a knee thing. That was my only Maybe. complaint, because he sells the knee, like, when he's down there, but, like, I thought it was like, a, oh, my back, like, I literally, like, getting whipped like this. Yeah. Like, I can't walk forward. I see that. The ref checks on Jarrett, and I have to give the match credit. The rest check it on Jarrett. Ben was like, it's a ladder match. Fuck it. He goes and grabs the ladder ladder and sets it up. Smart man. I'm going to go in. And then, okay, we may differ here. Benoit climbs the ladder, and as he climbs, the the rungs of the ladder for his feet break away. Yeah. 
How did you feel about this? I've never seen it before. I thought it was cool. I've never seen this before either. I thought it was incredibly clever. However, huh. Chris Benoit took me out of it because you can't get is, past the stomp. Yeah, he is stomping every step to make sure it breaks. Well, he's a goddamn professional. He's not letting this fuck up on him. Yeah, it, but it's one of those where like it's so obvious. Especially now that you know it, going back on it, yes, it's obvious. I didn't note it as obvious at the time until it broke because like when you're setting up a ladder like that, you do it quickly. You don't know if everything is like locked in place, so you step a little harder to make sure it's well, locked in. Well, the thing is, that's how I took he it. He stomps the first one; it doesn't break, so he has to go up a rock and then it breaks. Oh, yeah, I don't think the first one was supposed to break. No, it, it, it was it was breakaway because when he goes through it, yeah, breaks. it just it's a better sell if you get higher up. Yeah, so then he climbs the other side. It also breaks away, and he's stomping it. Jared gets back in the ring with a guitar, hits Benoit over the head with a guitar. You you noted that Benoit braced hard for he it. He really did. Jared grabs a different ladder from under the ring. Sneaky second ladder. Climbs the ladder and wins the title. So your thoughts on this match and thoughts on this match compared to Starcade. So I liked this match better than Starcade. I know I'm in the minority. I thought this was more interesting, a better, like, wrestling match, and it had the fun faff that I love. Yeah, I, I thought Starcade was better. I love the idea. I'm I really surprised lo- that we don't get um, breakaway ladders in the future. I've never seen that in well, what we've watched. Okay, well, there's different types of breakaway ladders. No, like this. Breakaways yes. like this. See, I think breakaway ladder, I think um, Seamus powerbombing Sin Cara, and you see the wood, <laughs> like, like, like no. explode out of the ladder. Like, uh, not a he broke him through the metal. No, no he, he didn't. didn't. That's splintering. Um, no, I mean, like, the breakaway rungs. I've never seen that before. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those where you can only do it once every, like, 20 years. Yeah. Listen, this is a really unique and clever finish. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I'll, I will give it the credit it's due. I, I wish it was easier breakaway, but I guess there's a level of... Uh, Safety. Well, not necessarily safety, but I'm trying to think. Do they actually use the weapon? I mean, they're moving the ladder and dropping it at various points, so. They never really use it as a weapon. Yeah. And I think this also works because it's a six-minute ladder match. Because I feel like if this was like a 23-minute ladder match where someone's about to climb and like win. Yeah. And then like that shit happens. I feel like I would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because if you go through more than one ladder it just comes off like random bullshit yeah no you're right like this worked this was clever and i actually i really enjoyed this like i i've never seen it and you know what i there's a handful of things wrestling i've never seen this is my match of the night that is not a spoiler for my best bit (laughs) no we may may have different definitions of that but uh yeah no this probably definitely was match of the night good commercial and back from that g interviews jeff jarrett (laughs) and not really he doesn't really interview. He interrogates Jeff Jarrett. Well, that's just Gene tonight in general. Yeah. It's a thing that you apparently can't get enough of. Jarrett calls Gene slap nuts. It just makes me chuckle every time. It's bad and stupid, but it's it's funny. I'm sorry. So he plays dumb about the, the ladders and says that last night was bullshit when he lost. Kurt Henning then comes in and like ushers Jeff Jarrett to Vince Russo's limo. Like, no, something's going down. Mm. So... We'll get a little bit more on that later, and then a lot more on that even later. <laughs> so what are our final three matches tonight? It is Sid Vicious versus The Wall, and even more confusingly, Berlin comes out with The Wall. Because on Thunder, they broke up. Which is after, on various Nitros, when they broke up. Holy shit. They just can't leave each other. 
They're just it's a toxic relationship. It really is. They hate how much they love each other. What Pokemon move is this relationship? It is toxic. I say it, it gets is, worse and worse with every turn. It is endure. Their love endures all arguments. So the match starts. Sid almost immediately hits Big Boot and clothesline to the wall and wall goes to the floor. He also hits him with a bottle of water for some reason. Sid gets hit getting back in the ring, but hits a choke slam on the wall pretty quickly. And then Berlin gets on the apron. Commentary also notes, like, I don't know why he's out here. I thought this angle broke up. Right. Because it is like every time they're on screen, they're breaking up. So, yeah. So Berlin distracts Sid. And then Sid is like, okay, that's enough of that. And then goes to powerbomb the wall. And then Berlin gets back in the apron like, oh, no, no, no. Now I distract you. Right. So the wall gets up, scoop slam Sid. The wall goes for a choke slam, but like, but does the double 360 lap of like, I got him. Hey, everybody, look, I got him. And Berlin hits a diving drop kick from the top rope onto the wall and the wall wins by DQ. Right. It was a weird match. Sid then powerbombs Berlin and then stares down the wall, offers his hand, and then they shake hands and then Sid raises the wall's hand like, hey, he's what? a competitor. This is dumb. This is a really dumb match. This is a bad use of Sid. It's a horrible use of Sid. This is what I'm saying. Like, they don't know what to do with Sid anymore. Well, they're going to have to. And we'll talk about this more at the end of the show, but Sid right now is the number two babyface. Yeah, but they're not using him. Because Sting is... So it doesn't really matter. Sting's out for a little bit. Yeah. Brett is a heel now. Yeah. And Goldberg, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get there. And DDP is still questionable if he's a face or not. Right. But yeah, so we have the wall as a face. I don't know how long this lasts because I know there's a there's an angle in like March where he's a heel. So <laughs> There's a very famous angle of him being a heel. Of Sid being a heel? No, of the wall being a heel. Oh, God. So no mention of Sid's pay-per-view match. And I guess just we're going to move on from that. Yep. I guess so. Horrible use of Sid. Really weird match. Really boring match. Not a fan. Say what you will about Sid's work rate, but like when you build him as a main eventer and then use him like this, it just... Right. It just feels shitty. It feels like a waste of time. It does feel like a waste of time. It feels like a waste of everybody's time. So we go to Vince Russo's limo and Jeff Jarrett is told big news happening tonight. We apparently just missed what the news is. Did we? Well, the way Jarrett sells it is like, he heard, but we didn't hear. Oh, okay. And then we go to a weird follow-up from last night's pay-per-view. In somebody who I did not think we were going to see, we get Tony Marinara talking to his father, who's facing away from the camera. And I'm like, oh, are we going to do another, like, Dr. Claw kind yeah. of thing? And then he turns around, he turns it's around. just some Italian guy. It's just a guy. It's just a guy. They should have paid out the nose to, like, get, like, to get somebody... <laughs> It's some yeah, famous Italian. some Italian actor. Like, like how much can the writer and star of a, a Bronx Tale be? I forget his name. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know. You you haven't seen that. We need to watch that eventually. But, like... Do we? It's a good movie. We're going to watch Cocaine Bear tonight. <laughs> that is the plan tonight. Cocaine. Emily had a bad day, so we're going to watch Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. And we're going to do cocaine. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, like, I feel like they should have gotten somebody... Like, remotely famous. This was just, like... Something. A yeah, guy. Yeah. A dude. But, like, he didn't do bad. Oh, no. No, he was very capable, but... This is going on his acting reel, for sure. Yeah, so they bring in Disco, and they make some Godfather references, and... It's so Italian. And and the Don tells him he has two choices. To either join the family, or spend the rest of his life in a coma. 
which, woman with the fishes, which is not what going to a coma. Means. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> Vito then says, "No, we'll kill you." I'm like, wait, no, those two different things. Yeah, you're gonna be sleeping with the fishes in a coma. You, coma means that you could come back out of it. I'm Sleep gonna buy. I'm gonna buy you a nice aquarium. It's gonna sit right next to your coma bed. Oh, and a nice little goldfish. <laughs> and I'll be there every day to feed it because those die very easily. <laughs> Look, Vito cares. He does. And Johnny the Bull is also just there. He's also there. Johnny the Bull, who uh, will go on to become Relic, and Emily, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Relic just killed her spell backwards. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going through the next segment of my own. Uh, Bret Hart and Goldberg get ready for their match. Not a lot to note there. They're both just, you know, watching on the tiny monitors. And then we get the Varsity Club doing their match. Uh, they have Leia Meow with them. Are you just going to keep going? <laughs> yeah, you walked away. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I you were walking away. I was just the rest of on my own. Sit back down. Why, why would you just keep going without me? <laughs> you quit. I didn't think that I'd be that really replaced. So Varsity Club comes out and the graphic says, Le- says Leia Meow. <laughs> Remember that. They're facing Harlem Heat. Uh, no midnight when Harlem Heat comes out. <laughs> Because Midnight is not with Harlem Heat. We had this conversation when we were watching. Midnight does not come out with Harlem Heat. She comes out with the gong. She appears as if from nowhere. She's a mythical creature. Yeah, so the actual competitors match are Rick Steiner and Mike Rotunda. Because Kevin Sullivan hops on commentary. He's also a mumbler. Him, like Mr. Biggs. A little less so, but still at points. Still not good, yeah. Rotunda heals on the University of Maryland in a before-the-match promo. Got him. And then Rick Fuck Steiner... the Terrapins. Yeah, Rick Steiner does his shtick of, you don't like me, bite me. Bite me. Like a Terrapin. They're like snapping turtles. And so the match starts. Commentary is talking about Leia Meow. And they ask... <laughs> and they ask Kevin Sullivan, what's her name? Kevin Sullivan has clearly not been told the kayfabe name for this woman because he goes... That's for us to tell you when we feel like. <laughs> and then a little but, bit later, they're like, oh, Leah Meow. Oh, yes, that's her name. They call her Leah, though. And her name is very clearly Leah, like like Star Wars. Dude, to be fair, fucking Billy D. Williams does that in Star Wars, so. Does he call her Leah? I think at one point she's called Princess oh. Leah. Well, that's just stupid. Oh, no, sorry. He does it. Um, one of the generals in A New Hope does. Oh, okay. He says Still, Princess Leah. No one... T- Decides to do, like, a take two on that one? No. Cool. Sorry. Faster and more intense. I can't Sorry. do more, uh, you know. I can't do pronunciation. Booker, Rotunda, Chain, Russell. Stevie does his tag in for 12 seconds, then tag it back out spot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I think we might have screwed up in our in our uh, last awards by not giving Stevie Ray the worst wrestler. Yeah. I'm I, really I debating. I really thought about it. I'm really debating, do we do those awards actually annually or in story annually? And I'm like, we would actually annually, he is definitely going to win worse. Oh, he would for sure win. We had a spin kick to Rick from Booker, because who else would do it? Right. Rotunda knees Booker in the back on an Irish whip and then throws Booker around the floor. And then they basically do the same heat spot again for the heels. Booker tries for a comeback, but Rick dodges a drop kick and then, then keeps working over Booker. And then... Then what, Nick? Then what? I want to take you back to February of 1999. Do you remember? Do you remember the Jersey Triad? I do remember the Jersey Triad. Remember them being triad. tag team champions? I do remember them being tag remember team champions. Remember when they would just 
get on the apron from managing the match. Remember how I had an issue with this? You did. You really were not a fan I of ma- it. I, I managed to reconcile it. You did. Do you remember why? No. Because they were good in good with Ric Flair. Oh, and yeah. And so Ric Flair was the heel line. president. So Sure. So it made sense. Why are you bringing that up? Kevin Sullivan just gets oh. in the fucking apron and Mike Rotunda goes to commentary. And it's like, oh, no, this is totally fine. Sorry, these Commentary are var- even points it out, too. You've never wrestled varsity wrestling? Apparently, these are the rules. Commentary does point it out like, oh, I guess it's a revolving door now. That's not pointing it out. Please Saying talk. this isn't allowed would be pointing it out. So then, Sullivan tags in. Rick Steiner goes to commentary for four goddamn seconds. And Rotunda gets to the apron. It's a revolving door. And the ref's just like, clean tag. Gotcha there, bud. We get a bookend or Rotundus, and then Booker's a little bit to blame for this because he waits like a hair too long. Steven gets the hot tag and fucks up the hot tag. He, so like, it's not really a hot tag. Yeah, like there's not a lot of reaction, and then he like cleans house in a weird way that like doesn't pump anybody up, and it's like what the fuck. Sullivan starts attacking Booker on the floor because he went back to commentary because sure. he's not part of this match anymore. But then I think the ref sees this is totally fine. I don't. Snyder <laughs> and Rotunda work over Stevie Ray. Lights go out and the clock strikes midnight. Of course, because why would she walk out with them? When the lights come back on, Stevie Ray's on offense. He's fine. He fucking he fought off the two on one. Totally fine. All she does is just distract him. And then he gets rolled up by Mike Rotunda in the varsity club win. Okay. What the fuck was this match? I did not think this was as egregious as you clearly did. I hated the rule change. And then Midnight coming out. Yeah, Stevie was fine. Like It fucks up the spot almost. No one was looking at Stevie. Why would he get distracted? Because he and Midnight have been having beef. Midnight wanted to interfere because that's what she does. That's her spot. She comes in and she clears house. Stevie clearly thought that he didn't need it. There was a miscommunication. It's a, It's a work. I think like, part of it is, story-wise, this is the first time that Stevie has been right. Sure. That's a different argument. Yeah. They're, the reason that they are feuding is because they do not communicate properly. Yeah. They don't get along. They butt heads. I didn't think this was egregious. I thought this was a good like continuation of story. We can talk about the Varsity Club and their fucking rule changes, but that's not a new story. With the Midnight thing, I thought this was a, a bad continuation. I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was a continuation. Now, how did you feel about the post-match list? Was that bad? That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot about this. Um, PG-13. Who? The guys who say the two cool ripped off their gimmicks. Okay. Okay, guys who were the rapping white boys from the Nation of Domination. Okay. Which, God, we have like half of OG Nation of Domination here tonight with fucking True. Mr. Biggs and PG-13. Should we know who PG-13 are? In this day and age. Not should we know? Really? Then, okay, I stand by who the fuck Yeah, is. no, no, no. This, this was random and weird and bad. Because they come in with hubcaps through the crowd, mm-hmm. hit Varsity Club. Varsity Club, no sell the attack. Yeah. And then they just go up the apron. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then they show up later in a backstage segment yeah. in the background. I'm They're like, just like chilling with uh, filthy animals later. I'm like, what is this? Nothing good. I, in all honesty, it wouldn't shock me if we never see them again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. They didn't like make enough of a of a statement to yeah. warrant being seen again. Well, it didn't help that the beatdown they did was at the end of a weird segment, and the beatdown they did didn't take 
Yeah, exactly. So let's move on. Backstage, the misfits are there and they hit on Daphne. Yeah, they no, they don't really hit on her. They give her shit. They're like, ah, your your ink sucks. Like her, they they were giving her shit for her tattoos. I thought they were. Well, they were like, oh, you want some good ink? You know, come on over. Yeah, it it was like negging. Remember when that was a thing? It still is, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I never took onto it. So like, if it, if it is still a thing, it didn't work on me. She needs one of the misfits in the groin, and then we couldn't tell if she was either making out with the guy or biting him in the nose. But commentary I think it was Jerry only later. that she bit. Wasn't I thought it was it? different. Or I, think I it was yeah, Jerry I guess so only. because he has a really red nose later. Yeah. So it looked like she was making out with him, like full tongue make out. But apparently, he was biting his nose to the point of blood. She tells Vampiro basically he fucked up, and then runs off maniacally. <laughs> She's great. Oh, absolutely, Daphne was great. <laughs> She's amazing. David Flair then comes out with Daphne, and they attack Dave Penzer for some reason with they the crowbar. They are both amazing. David calls out Vampiro and does a weird, crazy laugh. You were more into this. I thought it was a little cringy. It was, it's a gimmick. It's a thing. I like it. David has found his thing. Vampiro then comes out. And he's like, you know, I don't want any problems. Because like, weirdly low energy. Yeah, because he didn't want to fight. He was like, look, well, there was a miscommunication. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's almost understanding. Like, I don't want anything to do with you, psycho freak. Right, yeah. And as for you, and like turns to Daphne and goes to Brader. And then he turns his back to David, who's actively holding a crowbar, and David hits him from behind. Right. Made Vampiro look like a fucking idiot. Yes. <laughs> so then, yeah, then Daphne starts hitting crowbar shots on Vampiro. Jerry only comes out, also gets beat down. And in our, uh, oh, bless him moment of the night. David and Daphne go to kiss and just like, oh. <laughs> they do not have chemistry. No. I don't think they like each other. Because the kiss that they did, this should be like hot, steamy makeout. That would sell this as like, we are the the crazy couple. We are just passionate, out of our minds, We're doing love our animal sex kind of. Yeah. It was like middle school Sorry, pets. To, to quote Kurt Angle, we're going to go with bestiality sex. Ugh. But... Yeah, it was like a middle school kiss. It was just like hold her face very tightly and go. Do the thumbs over the lips. Yeah, it was like a stage kiss. It was weird. We might have undersold this, but like in her mannerisms and what she was doing in character, Daphne was fucking great here. Oh, she's incredible. We and like, I think that we she and immediately were like, we love Daphne. Daphne and David Flair are perfect together. <laughs> they are the. I'm probably gonna give them my like best. The the only criticism I can say of Daphne is of the year. She did her face makeup, which is like a lot more pale, and you can see like on the chin line. But like, you can uh, also sell that as like out of her mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, and um, Vampiro definitely looked more robotic than skull-like tonight. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't do his makeup very well. I fucking love Daphne. She's great. It's funny, I have like seen virtually none of her, so this is basically me going like, "All right, what have I heard?" And I'm yeah. Like, All right, I love it. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Backstage, the Misfits get looked at by EMTs, but then just kind of rage out and leave. And then we get a weird interview. I don't know what to make of this. It's me and Gene interviewing Buff Bagwell. Who, my brain didn't realize that Buff hadn't been on this show or maybe even the last couple shows. And I just like, oh yeah, Buff. I wasn't, I didn't totally get this one. Well, Gene says, here's somebody who's having one of the best years of his career. And I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Sure. I guess. So Buff sucks up to Baltimore. It's like, ah, of all the towns, Baltimore is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well have said that. Baltimore is there. He runs through his accolades and says that something is missing. He wants some gold. And I'm like, 
He didn't say which goal, which I want to note. Okay. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I've won these titles, but I want some gold. And I'm like. What does that mean? So yeah, I'm gold. like, you should go. Basically, he's, he should be saying, I want the world title. Sure. However, I don't think he's headed towards that. Because I think he's won the U.S. title. Pretty sure he's won the TV title. Say like, I won the tag title with like three different partners. No one's ever done that. And I'm like, all right, well, John yeah, Cena's going to yeah, outdo you there, bud. Yeah. John Cena, the king of, I'm going to win a title with somebody I'm feuding with. Oh. There's only four occasions I can think of with John Cena winning a tag team title Jeez. with somebody he's feuding with. John Cena's an enigma. So he wants in gold, and then Gene takes a hard left, and he gets. he's like, I want to get serious with you. I've been hearing person? some rumors about you and Kimberly Page. Then Buff like goes off mic and is like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> you don't ask me about that. Goes to walk away and Gene's like, if you walk away, you're guilty. Yeah, I'll take your silence as an as guilt. I'm like, dude. Then Buff what, says What's happening? Then Buff says they're just friends. Gene's like, I want the truth. You can't handle that truth. Then Buff's like, well, I mean, Kimberly's a 10. And, you know, if Kimberly was single, he'd put his stuff all over Kimberly. Disgusting. What the fuck? Now I don't I'm think curious Buff Bagwell's had sex. Is. I don't think Buff's had sex. I don't think he understands it. <laughs> what makes you think that, Nick? <laughs> That's not what sex is. Oh, you know sex when you rub your stuff all over her? I'm assuming he means his cum. I, oh, I read that as his balls. No, I read that <laughs> as a cum my child. balls all over Kimberly. Babe, no, he wants to come all over her. How did I get that and you didn't? <laughs> Maybe I just don't want to like Buff, so I want to take it to something dumb. <laughs> so Buff then asked Gene, like, you know, if Kimberly was naked in your, in your room, would you bang her? And you're like, well, I'm a married man. But if I wasn't. Good yeah, Lord, absolutely. Guys. Can we stop thirsting over Kimberly? And Buff's like, well, exactly. And that's like why I did. Like, well, like, he doesn't say he did, but he definitely fully implies, yes, that's what happened. Like, and then DDP's music give hits. DDP a break. Yeah, DDP's music hits. He comes out from behind, starts attacking Buff. They brawl until security breaks it up. And this was an interesting angle, especially when, like, with, the, with the face heal dynamics. Yeah. It was just gross. It was all gross. And I don't understand why they keep thirsting over Kimberly when she's not even like an integral part of the show anymore. It's just to fuck with DDP, who doesn't deserve it. No. Well, I mean, he's going to go on to stalk the Undertaker's wife. So, uh, Yeah, poor DDP gets really run through it. Yeah. So we'll see how this progresses going forward. We, uh, we're almost there, Emily. We're getting there. Backstage in the locker room, Piper says goodbye to Sid in catering and then goodbye to the locker room goodbye. and tries to give them a pep talk. But it's a kind of a depressing pep talk. It's like you're working for the man. He doesn't care about you. But there's no other choice. Like, but you're ru- <laughs> you're screwed. So he does call for unionizing. Out. He does. No, he definitely like, pushes the guys to be like, "Yo, fight for what you guys need. Be a union. Demand injury pay, insurance." It was also disability. it was a weird lineup of people there because it was like Norman, the filthy animals, PG thirteen, and like. Another person or two, I could, I yeah, it was like, kind of like off camera, like, yeah. who the, like, like, you're the best athletes I know. And like, like this room? Who, yeah. This? Yeah. Like, sure, a few, but. Yeah, so I think this might be Piper's goodbye for, or, well, this and, and a little later on. I, I don't, don't think we see Piper for a while. Piper doesn't have a match upcoming for, a, I, Does I he think, come to the next pay-per-view? 
I don't know if he has a match in WCW, period, going forward. Damn. But elsewhere backstage, Jeff Jarrett sits down to watch the main event because he knows some shit's about to go down. Let's go to the main event. It's our WCW title match. It is Bret Hart versus Bill Goldberg. For the belt again. Commentary mentions as not starting like, oh, we know something big is about to happen. Why do we know that? Like, why does everyone know this because something big is Vince going to Rizzo happen? Because Vince Russo keeps saying something big is going to happen. This is just a dumb matchup. This is a stupid premise. I don't like it. Also remember during this match that Bret Hart is concussed. Right. Yeah, I did remember that. They lock up. Goldberg overpowers Bret. Bret leaves the ring, but Goldberg gives chase and keeps overpowering him. Back in the ring, Goldberg gets a power slam and locks in an ankle lot, but Bret is in the ropes. Bret kicks the knee out of Goldberg and starts working over the legs to big Goldberg chance, but they do peter out fairly quickly. They do. Goldberg walks Brett to the corner and winds up for a big punch, but clocks the referee. In a weirdly heelish move, Brett knees Goldberg in the groin, then locks in the figure four. Then the outsiders come out to the ring, and they both they, have, they both have baseball bats. Why wouldn't they? Swerve. They only attack Goldberg. What? Brett breaks the hold, and they hand Brett a baseball bat. What? But he would never use it. Nope. He attacks Goldberg. What? Roddy Piper comes out a little early because Brett goes to pin Goldberg as the ref is like stumbling into the count. But Piper shields Goldberg's body and Brett is just like has a hand on Goldberg's knee. Like, does this count? The ref counts it. So Brett is the champion. I, I missed the hold, but I I believe you. Yeah, it, it it, like it's Roddy very much as like, Brett's getting up, like, has a loose hand on him, just like, hey, he's pinned, he The lost. way that I saw it was very much like the end of um, Pocahontas when she throws herself over um, John Smith to keep her father from killing him. That's how I saw it. Because it was like oh, Roddy Piper throwing himself over to shield the pin. That's how I saw it, well, but I guess there was a pin. Well, no, it, it was meant to shield him from getting hit with baseball Sure, bats. Because apparently Roddy Piper was told, like, no, do not move like you you cut you save him yeah but yeah so brett's the new champion that is lost in all this yes jeff jarrett then runs out hits piper over the head with with a guitar why wouldn't he and then they grab the spray paint (gasps) the spray paint and they have a hard time with the spray paint they also had grabbed silver which like did the nwo ever have silver well that's the new thing oh Oh, that makes it different. They spray Goldberg uh, in, in in some courteousness. They spray Goldberg's chest and then thigh and not spray his trunks. And as they're spraying Piper, the crowd's not reacting. No, they don't. They can't see it. They don't react until they hear N-W-O. And the crowd goes, oh! Got it. <laughs> the N-W-O is back. We, yeah. Who's fucking surprised? Honestly, this is where I'm like, of course. Why wouldn't they? The Why the fuck not? Yeah, the four pose and embrace with all the belts because Brett's the, the world champion. Jared's the U.S. champion. Hall and Nash are the tag team champions. And the other matches don't matter. They don't care about Cruiserweight or, uh, or Hardcore. Right. I mean, they have, you know, the big three. Tony Schiavone calls this the biggest swerve ever. Um, No. And it doesn't necessarily send us off the air, but the last line we really hear is Kevin Nash saying, the band is back together. Got him. And Brett just kind of looks there. 
He puts up like a really sad little wolf pack sign. Yeah, I'm like, Bre- guess this is my life Bre- now. Brett is checked out. Yeah. I'm wondering how much of them doing Montreal really was Awful. just like. Yeah. Poor Brett. For fuck's sake. I just, I wish I was surprised. I wish I was surprised. Just like. <laughs> you're not mad. You're just disappointed. I'm more disappointed that this is what we've chosen to like spend our time doing. Yeah, Watch and review this sack of shit. I mean, this is like this is the first big Vince Russo thing. The first big Vince Russo thing is to rebirth something that was never Exa- his. Exactly. This Are you is, fucking kidding? This is like and he's gonna claim this as his big thing, Vince. Has there been a defining Vince Russo angle? No. Yeah, the closest I'd say is Buff Bagwell being like, "I got stroke." Oh wait, I don't. Oh fuck the writers. That's not really no, a this big is, story. This though. is meant to be his piece his de resistance. Thing. That's awful. Yeah. God. And it's um, it's not going to go well. No. Well, as we've said before, the new leader of the NWO, as we kind of see it, is Bret Hart. He's on borrow time. Yes. Let's talk about Thunder. Oh. And no. something we rarely do on this show. Because I showed Emily what happens on the Thunder after this. And I wanted to re-show Emily what happens. And she goes, no, I'm good. I'm good. For those listening at home, I broke my wrists in a very traumatic way when I was a child. And I have a hard time watching any other person injure their arms. Yeah. So Goldberg chases Bret Hart out of the arena in the upcoming Thunder. In a spot in which Brett fucking hates and will write about. Really? For his part of this. He like jumps into a car and like speeds off through a parking lot. He writes about how much he hates that. That's so like textbook. Why? Why does he hate that? It's cowardly. We don't see Brett get in the car. It's him doing a stuntman thing. Something he has. He doesn't have to. And he goes, my brother died doing dumb bullshit. Doing dumb, unnecessarily unsafe bullshit like this. That's fair. Why okay. am I doing this? Okay. There's no reason it need to be Bret Hart. That's true. We just see a car speed off, like peel out, like almost crash into fucking parked cars. That's true. Okay. I'll give yeah. you that. He's like, no, they, like it's part of the reason why he kind of chooses to retire. He's like, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to die. Yeah. However, the piece that most of remember from this is Goldberg then finds the powers, the bees limo. And, there might be some breakaway windows or, or I, it's unclear exactly what happens, but the original pitch was Goldberg was going to have a sledgehammer and smash the windows with that. Mm. And they said, no, that's not cool enough. Oh, really? So we're going to have him punch it out. Why but didn't you give him a bat gave, or something? They gave him a pipe to hold in his hand. So that was going to be the thing that hit the window. Oh, okay. So it would break easier. He dropped the pipe. Oh, God. And then went, well, I got to keep going. And then... Kept punching the window until it broke and completely tore up his fucking forearm and his goddamn, like, arteries to where he, like, almost lost his goddamn arm. Ow. By the way, I'm pretty sure this is a fucking pre-tape just to add to it. That's awful. It's the one element people overlook because... If this was live, I guess I'd get it. Well, it's another one of those instances of the book, The Death of WCW, just kind of being wrong. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, late like that same night, like after that happened. No, it's the next Thunder. It's not. 
because yeah, they're just wrong about what day that happens again. Oh, okay. And every now and again, that like fucks with my brain. Yeah. You have no top face in Brett because he's now a heel. Yep. And Goldberg is now Broken. gone for they say ten to fifteen weeks. Oh, it's got to be more than that. I forget exactly when it is. It might be around then. But he's got to do rehab. He's got to like relearn yeah, how to got, use his hand. He got plastic surgery on his oh, arm. Horrible. So. Once again, the NWO angle is fucked up come January. Last year, they were like, hey, Hogan's now the big heel. And they managed to fuck that up. Yep. Oh, God. (sighs) Awful. Yeah. And that's it for this week of WCB programming. Thoughts on this show? It was not good. No. It really was not good. There were some, like, pseudo highlights, I guess. But it wasn't good. Yeah, I... I cannot wait for this show to go to two hours. We have We're one more. We're almost there. We are almost there. Yeah. Next up is uh, New Year's Evil. Woo! They advertised nothing for it. They didn't even say that it was New Year's Evil. I thought they did. In the graphic, it said New Year's I guess Year's the graphic, Evil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, they didn't hype anything up for no, it. No, they like, did not. Yeah, so. Spend your New Year's Eve with us. Not even that. No, it, it, it's December 27th. <laughs> it's two days after Christmas. It's not. New Year's. But let's go to best bit, worst bit, and MVP. Emily, what do you got for best bit? <laughs> oh, bear, bear in mind, it's going to be fucky because I am me. Yeah. My best bit is the reveal of the Elso. Yeah, I, I'm giving it the same Come thing on. of Roddy Piper destroying the set. Destroying, destroying all of our... What do you call that? He broke down the walls of Jericho, Emily. <laughs> He he broke he literally broke kayfabe he <laughs> physically yeah. broke kayfabe yes amazing Emily what's your worst bit so it was hard because there are a lot of contenders like Hugh Morris's dad the Tank Gabbard match like creative it's all bad creative Nash. fucking condom heads it's all bad but I did end up giving it to the return of the NWO even though it didn't surprise me I'm giving it to the return of the NWO because of what it means going forward it doesn't mean anything good. See, you'd think mine would be for Creative Control versus Kevin Nash based on my reaction, but no, think? It, it's the NWO. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a load-bearing moment Yeah, that's just going to be bad. It's basically, it's the moment of you going, this is what you think the answer is. Yeah. Oh, you don't get it. You have no idea what you're doing. This is what we're, this is, this is the future that Russo wants. Can I tell you something that is going to make you scream and yet laugh? Oh, God. After the invasion, oh god! In two thousand two, Vince Russo got rehired for like I, I can't imagine for like why. three weeks. Fucking why? You know what the big idea that he wanted to do that got him refired was incest with Stephanie. He wanted to redo the invasion. Why? <laughs> well, now that everyone was here, it was like, well, let's let's do it proper. What? <laughs> it, because it went over so well the first time, let's keep lighting that candle, baby. Why? Emily, oh my God. Emily, who's your MVP? <laughs> I actually gave it to Roddy Piper. Yeah. For sticking to his guns and embracing his moral fiber throughout the episode. All right. Who did you give it to? Clearly not Roddy Piper. You know, I fucking love Daphne, man. <laughs> she was. Up She's there. so fucking good. I thought you would kill me if I gave it to David and Daphne. I've been giving it to David Blair a lot lately. You really have. So I tried to mix it up. No, Daphne is the shot in the arm of this gimmick. And she's more believable. I still feel like David. No, I'm believing it now. I don't know. I'm starting to get there. 
But that's going to do it for this episode of the Butts and Seeds podcast. I Jesus. hope your ears uh, are still intact because I'm so sorry for Nick's yelling. <laughs> he gets impassioned. <laughs> Until New Year's Evil, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Butts in the Pod and Facebook at the Butts and Seeds podcast. And listen to all of our less screamy back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Emily, this might be the last one before WrestleMania. It might be one more in between. This Any... will probably be our last one before WrestleMania. Any thoughts on the show as we're uh, approaching it? I mean, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It'll be good. I hope. We're ready for Omos versus Brock. I'm excited to uh, take a pee break and get a snack during that. <laughs> you might have budgeted too much time. <laughs> but until our next episode, whether it's New Year's Evil or WrestleMania, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And see you next time on the Butts and the Seats podcast.